Hello, listeners, and welcome to the first episode of Movie Mumble, a uh, new podcast we're bringing you right here on NerdsThatGeek.com. I'm Scott Murray. You may have read some of my American Gods book-to-screen comparisons or uh, seen my cosplay galleries from last Comic-Con. I am joined by Joel Lewis. You you may have read some of his uh, clever and incisive comics analyses, which he's got up on NerdsThatGeek. And with us is Tim Gerard. Hello. Tim uh, wrote some... <laughs> Why are you going to say it like that? Hello. I got nervous. <laughs> uh, welcome. We're going live. <laughs> welcome, everybody. Hello. You may have read some of Tim's uh, column write-ups from last year's Comic-Con, or uh, he was on the first night of the Denver Symphony podcast. Mm. Uh, so Movie Mumble is a new monthly podcast we'll be bringing you where the whole purpose is to broaden our cinematic horizons. I sat down one day and looked at the movies on my shelf and realized a large number of them are films I never would have watched, except that friends had, you know, made me or just <laughs> just had them on in the same room or, or a couple of classes I took, and I thought, man, I really want new friends to, to show them all my cool stuff and for them to show me new stuff I'd otherwise overlook. So that's why we're here. Every month we take turns picking a film and we all watch it, and then we talk about it and in an effort to... You know, as I said, expand our cinematic horizons. The films might be famous, they might be obscure, you might already have seen them, that's fine. What matters is that they're new to at least two of us. <laughs> and uh, we will be spoiling everything we talk about every month. Uh, this month, for our first pick, Joel was our decider. What did you bring us this month, Joel? So it's uh, called Dragon Lord. It came out in 1982. It's Jackie Chan's third movie that he directed. He also starred in it, he wrote it choreographed it, he's basically Kung Fu Charlie Chaplin, and this is a great example of that. <laughs> um, just a little background about how I first came to watch it. I, I often go down the YouTube rabbit hole of Jackie Chan stunts, and just within the playlist that shuffle through, um, I saw this really cool sport sequence. It, it's, it's, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It's, it's basically hacky sack badminton and soccer all rolled into one and it's it was amazing the way it was shot and that's why I picked up the film in the first place and it's it's a lot of fun to watch so. mm-hmm. I, I would absolutely agree the sports <laughs> sections were <laughs> captivating absolutely um, there were two particularly interesting sports sections the one Joel mentioned is the second one mm. which actually does come back to play in the in the plot yeah. just kicking around the rock <laughs> um, but the first one the opening just uh, that's Shaolin soccer you said well I, I, I the way I described it was, fuck Shaolin Shaolin. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, basic, it's kung fu rugby, basically, is what yeah. it ends up being. They yeah. they start out with this pyramid in the middle of these four teams, I think they were, wearing colored bandanas, mm-hmm. and they have to climb to the top, and in classic kung fu sport fashion, everybody's kicking and throat punching and dragging people and down. Taint biting, don't forget the taint biting. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Um, <laughs> as they try to get to this golden egg at the top, and they, the idea is to get the golden egg to their home base and wrap it in their colored scarf and throw it around. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't read the uh, little IMDb. Oh yes, um, I'm sorry. Please, what's our, what's our film description? Please. So the film description was the adventures of a restless martial artist student called Dragon, who, while constantly pursuing a girl, gets involved in the affairs of a gang of thieves. Which you is know, basically the plot of every Jackie Chan movie ever. <laughs> it's a coming of yeah. age tale. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's funny though that it started with that that opening sports sequence, and it shows our main character, and he's the he's the hero. He you know wins the game for the team, and then he runs off and gets into his 
you know, adventurous mischief and chasing the girl and whatnot. And a lot of it, large chunks of it, felt very American. Yes. Which I, I suppose comes from Jackie Chan mm-hmm. and his, uh, his, what should I say, dual cultures, I suppose. Yeah. You know, he a lot of experience with both cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, much of the, I suppose, the specifics felt very unfamiliar. Yeah, you know, the the way the relationship with the father and the tutor and whatnot was a similar relationship, you know, f- responsible father to mischievous son that you might see in an American film, but the, the details, the poetry, the martial arts, etc. were were very unfamiliar, very new to me. Yeah. It's a very, very familiar number of themes for Jackie Chan films. It's always, there's a stern disciplinarian in a uh, part of male authority. Um, a lot of them are just like opportunities for Jackie to find funny ways to like get out of doing his chores. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want to see. <laughs> yeah. This is, is these. So this was you said the third film he directed. Yeah. This is, I presume, earlier on in his notoriety. Then because he obviously yeah. has built quite a reputation for himself. Right. I'm not sure that this has this one crossed over this mm-hmm. early. Um, mm-hmm. Probably Police Story was going to be the the big kind of international success mm-hmm. at least as far as I, I know mm-hmm. yeah I think I've seen that one yeah mm-hmm. yeah, which says something for it yeah. Wasn't <laughs> that, did that feel reminiscent then do you think as, oh, as much as you can remember I mean, story. this <laughs> was back when I worked at Blockbuster so if that kind of <laughs> helps date it for okay. you at all <laughs> well, a police story is very much more modernized um, mm-hmm. and he's a cop that's why the the third police story is called Super Cop, which is my favorite. And they, they reference him as Super Cop in the dubbed version and in the subtitle version. It's mm-hmm. quite funny. Um, we need a Super Cop. The cop that can't be stopped. That's like the tagline of the film. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> but this has very similar uh, themes and plot points to like Drunken Master. Mm-hmm. Both of those kind of... There was a lot of... You pointed out there was a lot of that environmental Charlie Chaplin-esque yeah. kung fu mm-hmm. going on. That, which that is would... what you want watching Jackie, that's that's mm-hmm. what you buy the ticket for is to see him interact with the environment. Because that's something yeah. like before Jackie, you would get a lot of guys kind of acting like they're going to jump in the middle, and then there's one guy in the middle fighting. Bruce Lee, the yeah. he stands and holds the room, and right. wave after wave of bad guys come at him. And he, Jackie will grab anything. We saw him <laughs> break a, 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 a ladder, and then he uses those pieces later. Broken ladder, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, my favorite with the, the 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 Charlie Chaplin was there was one Chaplin movie I had seen, and it's one where you know there's the side of a house that falls down, and where he's standing, the window yeah. goes right around him, and he's like untouched. And they had like that exact thing happen in this. I mean, it was a smaller wall, but you know this thing falls, and he's just kind of standing there, like half dazed, half I meant to do that. Yeah, and that was the, that was when I was like, oh wow, like I, I recognize that, I get that yeah. reference. <laughs> yeah, it was it was beautiful. That's um certainly another representation of the American cinema influences. Yeah, definitely. Reaching across oceans. It Especially almost... Chaplin. Chaplin's mm. famous internationally. The French love Chaplin. I mean, the Italians love Chaplin. Cause, I mean, because it was silent and humor mm-hmm. is universal. Yeah. It definitely makes sense why it would have gotten that far. Absolutely. Um, his, his, it remains in American cinema today, so there's, you know, whatever whatever you watch, the, the shockwaves can be felt. Yeah. So we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the framing of some of the cinematography. <laughs> yes, we cannot let that go. So let, let's give you a plot overview 
first. So then we can talk about the framing because the framing turns out that it's actually uh, really effective. There's a lot of purpose to it. Um, <laughs> Though in the moment it did not seem so. Yes. There's a bit of well, there's a lot of sort of the the just mischievous comedic youthful hijinks to set up to set up our characters in a situation that eventually intersects with the more malicious the bad guys and their malicious plots. I felt like that youthful hijinks segment took a long time to it go was, anywhere. Yeah. Mm. And uh, as a result as a result, the framing well, the framing provided us our own entertainment. Right. Um, <laughs> Why is that spear covering his face? Yeah, there, there's a point where the big bad evil guy is standing in the middle of a courtyard full of dudes and there's a spear just middle of the shot right in front of his face. Apparently for no reason. Uh-huh, there's, there's a shot in a mirror, in a, in a dirty scratched mirror that zooms out onto the full room for no reason other than oh, this looks cool when I saw it in a movie once. You know, they're, they're and actually, all... the very first scene that we see the bad guy in, it's poorly lit. Everybody's mm-hmm. dark, nobody can see their faces. And it's kind of like, why are we shooting this at night? <laughs> yeah. these must all be these the bad, bad guy guys. scenes. It's when he's dark. standing with the sun behind him and it's washing his face out. All these bad guy scenes were shot so... I mean, I, I, I'll say poorly, although you'll see why I'm hesitant to use that in a moment. I, I heard, joked with the guys as we were watching. It was like, man, whoever they got to do their second unit cinematography is, uh, you know, Cousin Ed down the street. Jackie's Cousin Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <And Jen. laughs> Come on, Jackie, let me help. Okay, hold this camera here. Don't move. I really like the spearhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, as it turned out, there was a purpose. Yeah. The big reveal. The big reveal, yes. Of the eye. The eye. Uh, yeah, the, the stepping into what would be the climactic fight, our big bad evil guy steps in and we see his face for the first time. And uh, he has a milky white scary eye. <laughs> it, it sparkled. I swear I saw some post production sparkle. And there's on a there. great, great see, like three shot where it's quick cuts where it's zooming in on yeah. the eye. It's like, hey, da, this is why. Da, da. Yeah. <laughs> Closer every time. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> it, it totally justified all the weird framing of why they did those. Because yeah. it, it looked juvenile. It looked yeah, like they, clumsily done. Yeah, mm-hmm. they weren't, do, but it was all done with purpose. Which, <laughs> is, which was great. That, just, that sort of encapsulates the whole film for me, I think. Mm-hmm. It, the whole feeling was people with a lot of good ideas we're learning some of the more complicated, bigger problems about making a film. Right. And really starting to, to step up and step into their own. That was just sort of the feeling I got. Because, you know, we had this, oh, it was so clumsily done. Oh, it was for a reveal. And, you know, what might come later is those earlier shots might not be so obviously strange. Right. But it, it, it felt good. And the thing, juxtaposed with those kind of poorly framed frames, it was these really gorgeous action sequences. Mm-hmm. The, the the Shaolin rugby and, and Shaolin soccer with Haggy Sack are great at putting action on frame. Mm-hmm. Those The narrative of those sporting events was so well captured, and the choreography. There's a oh point God. with the rugby scene where there's 20 guys making leaps and impacting guys below them. That is one of the greatest dog piles mm-hmm. I've ever seen on film, and it's so well choreographed. Agree. And then at one point, the, the pyramid that they climb collapses. This bamboo structure collapses with people still on it, 30 or 40 people. And so the, the ability to put that on frame without getting anybody hurt mm-hmm. is, is spectacular. And it's, it, that was kind of the, as we were watching these 
poorly framed shots. It's like, okay, well, you can still see that Jackie knows how to put stunt on screen. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that was brilliant. There were these just the framing, like you said, everything that was in frame felt good. Felt like you wanted to see it and was supposed to be. Nothing unnecessary was added, and it didn't feel like anything was cut off. There were just you know five or six second strings of kung fu mm-hmm. in the especially in the big fight with the boss guy at the end that were just beautiful to watch and we didn't have to worry about shaky camera or weird cuts it was just two guys in front of us and we watched them fight and it was beautiful mm-hmm. that actually reminded me it just it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable about the Jason Bourne movies <laughs> which I love which I absolutely love but you know and and the the quick cut camera system works there it serves a purpose but it's something that a lot of people have jumped onto the bandwagon of and it you know it's sort of acting as a crutch a replacement for good choreography for stuff that looks good as See, a whole and, and the modern response to that has been John Wick mm-hmm. they just put it on him and Keanu just goes through like that yeah. that is he beautiful. Stuff it's up. beautiful and it's it's a throwback that's that's what Jackie does he <laughs> sets up the camera and you get to watch the dance of the fight and you know that he was he, he's doing all of these moves in sequence so you have to have a starting point and an ending point mm-hmm. and it's all planned out Especially with the shuttlecock uh, soccer, mm-hmm. like those for them to so have so many people acting yeah. on the shuttlecock, exactly that you it had to be planned ahead and timed, choreographed like a dance, like a musical. Yeah, and and watching it, it's like okay, when you set up shots for like a football movie, football has s- certain formations and stuff, and you're setting up, and you can kind of control the momentum of how it works. Mm-hmm. With that, it just seemed like there's so much. Not just uh, horizontal, but vertical, mm-hmm. with the arc of the shuttlecock and people jumping up and down and like mm-hmm. trying to get it so that kicks land a certain way or they get close enough to see that you're hitting somebody, but without actually making contact. The the, the dance choreography of that was just, I mean, that's what sold me on the film mm-hmm. in the first place. You just reminded me. It reminds me of those old stick figure animations we used to get. The the Zhao Zhao and Shock and the old Kung Fu stuff mm-hmm. where it was just here's a rectangular shape with a room in it and a couple of stick figures or two or ten or a thousand and they're just going to beat the snot out of each other and there is no camera work cause it's just some dude with a Microsoft Paint and his flash animator mm-hmm. but much like this Jackie Chan film the choreography has to be good because you just you just watch it and there it is it's that same spark of uh, spark of inspiration I suppose mm-hmm. I do want to mention this was this was my first Jackie Chan film in a long time. Really? Mm-hmm. And you too, Tim? Yeah. I, it was Since my, my first... Blockbuster <laughs> <laughs> you quit rapidly becoming the Blockbuster Days guy. <laughs> you have a Blockbuster Days segment. <laughs> it was my first non-American Jackie Chan film, actually. Like, really? I think I've seen two of the three Rush Hours. Okay. And, um... I mean, I can't even recall now. I think at least one other film. Oh, wow. I watched the, his animated like TV Shanghai series Nights for a while. Something? It might have been. Shanghai Noon was the first one. But, uh, but, yeah, the, yeah but I, I've never ones. seen these films that made him famous. The films on which he built his reputation. Oh, wow. I don't want to necessarily reputation. He built his what he's known for, his, mm-hmm. his repertoire. Yeah. And, uh, you know, also just only being 24, a lot of the, the 80s, you know, I only, only see it through what people remember. Some of the bigger monoliths, mm-hmm. things like Robocop or the Terminator. But... As a whole, there was so much more going on, right. and Jackie Chan was one of those big important things. This was this was really my first proper Jackie Chan film. Huh. 
Tim, had you, had you seen any more Chinese? Um, as far as Jackie Chan, I've seen. Um, I had seen one of the Drunken Masters. I think you said there were two. Yeah. Um, I think it was Legend of Drunken Master. Okay, so that's yeah, the I saw, sequel. I saw okay. one of those. Yeah. Um, they're and, both fun. So the second one's definitely the most known. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one it did seem to be more like Americanized with like you know new. Uh, cover artwork kind of thing. Yeah, and he drinks the kerosene at the end. It's yeah. Great sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like the the ones with Owen Wilson and uh, Rush Hour. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, this is probably, and I think I did see uh, one of the one of the super cop ones or whatever. I forget which one that was, but yeah, this was the this was definitely the oldest one, the the more most traditional one of his that I've seen. Gotcha. Yeah, I've. I don't want to say I've seen most Jackie Chan movies, but I own most of them. Um, <laughs> well, so have you seen them all then, or well, no, I, I, have they been collecting dust on your shelf? Well, collecting dust, but I, I have them in multi-disc okay. sets. So I, I've mm-hmm. seen bits and pieces. I've seen Project A one and two. Mm-hmm. Seen Operation Condor, Condor one and two. I've started Fantasy Mission Force. Um, started. Yeah. Uh. Well, because it's an ensemble film. It's not centered on Jackie. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not as well written. Is it the okay. Expendables of Kung Fu movies? A little bit. <laughs> and it's also like a bad copy. Like the, the one that they used for the DVD is not oh. well mm. put together. Mm. Um, Roland Bronx I've seen. I've seen Super Cop, uh, Police Story 1 and 2, and then 4, which is Jackie Chan's first strike, which has one of the ma- most amazing sequences ever. It's where he's got the uh, uh, Ascension Ladder. In the, the studio, oh, I think I've Australia, seen that. Yeah, uh-huh. and he kicks the crap out of this room of guys with this this ladder across his back. It's the coolest. Oh, I think I've seen that. I've that's seen that's seen that's that yeah, that yeah. That, yeah. One's, that one's really good. You know, internet lists of their favorite kung fu moments, yeah. sort of yeah. thing, right? Um, yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. Police Story Five, which just recently recently came out, kind of gave it a die hardy kind of reboot kind of thing, which was cool. Um, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, Rush Hour One, Two, and Three. Um, Oh, my favorite Jackie Chan movie is called Wheels on Meals, and it's him and his <laughs> such a Jackie Chan title. It's so great, and it's but it's it's set in Spain, and he okay. and his um, they're they're just roommates in the film, um, but they have like a uh, food truck, and then they 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 just at one point they're fencing, which is really cool, and they both have uh, like those um, the wooden man. Uh, training oh, yeah, apparatus yeah. things and so the the opening sequence is them getting up and uh, the guy who's not Jackie doing this really integrate like good workout and then Jackie's waking up and he goes over and he just does one move and then goes to shower it's a great <laughs> they're a great pairing and it's it's the, the final sequence Jackie gets as beat up as I've ever seen it like there's uh, the, the bad guy is this um he was a famous kickboxer at the time. I, I don't know what his name was, but he just beats the crap out of Jackie, like worse than anything else. And I think this one came out would have been early '90s. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've yet to get that one on DVD. You just like you reminded me of uh, that sort of textbook sequence, the Jackie films, and most kung fu films, actually a lot of films in general, follow of uh, you know our hero meets a challenge and meets a few early successes, and then he's defeated, and then he goes back and re recovers himself yeah. and then he wins and in the film we watched here Dragon Strike was it? or Dragon Lord uh, Dragon sure that much like the way the early mischievous hijinks felt very long the whole film sort of felt condensed into its second half yeah and 
that sequence felt sort of uh, we had a prototypical version of it yeah in that we didn't get our first real fight for a while and then we didn't have a serious loss it all really happened in that big bad evil guy fight at the end right, with the yeah. eye. Um, Jackie and uh, Mars or I guess Cowboy was the character's name yeah, his who, who was never referred to like that as, as Cowboy at all um, <laughs> you know are fighting to defend the uncle and the wounded traitor and and that, they, they, they give up. Yeah, well, that, and that sequence is is definitely kind of it reaffirms those two characters' relationship, mm-hmm. and it, it gives them something to fight against. And then Jackie kind of has that defeat and rally in in this all the within of, one fight. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you really feel the fatigue in that sequence. It goes on mm-hmm. for a long time, and you get it. It gets less and less polished, at least mm-hmm. in the moves. That was great. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Because the, the villain got less polished, too. Yeah. He got more tired. There wasn't just the, the sense of the strong, monolithic villain, you know, the wall against which the hero breaks. They, they both were exhausted. There was that beautiful sequence where the villain's hanging onto a pole, not, not trying not to fall from the loft, and Jackie's just hanging onto him. Just yanking And they're both him. just, like, <laughs> he's yanking on the villain, and the villain's, like, shaking. They're like children, because the fight has just gone on that long. We ran out of moves, guys. And it would have made for some interesting gifts. <laughs> That's for sure. A lot of, a lot of latent homoeroticism in Kung Fu films. Maybe the internet can provide. Yeah, or we can. Or we can, <laughs> sure. Sure. That, uh, so let's, let's step back and talk about Kung Fu films in general, if you want. Because uh, I've been thinking since we've been sitting here that although I've always enjoyed most of them, I haven't made a lot of effort to seek them out. Uh, first two Ip Man movies, the, the Rush Hours that I mentioned, um, a lot of it turns into mixed things like John Wick or Jason Bourne, where they're fighting movies of a sort, but not necessarily Kung Fu. And uh, it just it sort of occurred to me that there's a whole chunk of cinematic history here that I'm, I've only dipped my toes into. Hmm. You know, you... You've already talked to Joel about how well-versed you are in the Jackie Chan side of things. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I don't know how much Kung um, Fu you've engaged in. I did go down um, a certain period of my life. I won't mention it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I did, <laughs> I did go down. Blockbuster video. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> I deal with him about your late VHS videos from the past, courtesy of. <laughs> Don't worry, he'll rewind them for you. No need to rewind. Uh, no, they're, they're due at noon now. It's been that way for a year. It's not midnight anymore. It's noon. You can't bring half a loyalty card in here. What, <laughs> what happened to the other half? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Tim, no, please, okay. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to relive that. Um, <laughs> Anytime. But I, I had gone down a pretty a pretty big uh, Jet Li rabbit hole. Mm. Um, and I, I really dug his stuff, and I, I dipped into some of his older stuff. Um, I I can't for the life of me remember any of the names of them. I think one of them was Fist of Legend because I remember I think I remember like reading that that was one of his best ones. I think is that early? I think so. It, it was there was almost this like militaristic type thing. It wasn't like you know when you think of um, you know something like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right. or Hero, like that kind of like I don't even know what you would call it. But um, but this like you know everyone it's has like the green show. military okay. uniform. Gotcha. Um, 
but uh, so it was it was really weird, like to to not see that sort of uh, you know the more mythological looking type kung fu fights. Like they were, I think they were meant to be like way like more real and gritty. And I think there there was still was wire work, but it wasn't the sort of you know crouching tiger running on the trees type stuff. Like it was more like okay, this is like a room full of dudes fighting. And um, but like I remember reading too that that um, Jet Li is like I, one of the fastest, where they actually have to slow stuff yeah. down to be able to see the moves. And it, it was it was incredible, and and um, you know it was, it was interesting to see him too. Whenever he wasn't having to speak English in a film, he was like a way better actor. Like he could just tell everything was more natural, and like um, so that so that was really cool. Um, maybe at some point I should research those because yeah, there were, there were just so many incredible fights there. So many, um, yeah, the, like the way they were kind of gritty and and real, and. Um, you know, almost this sense, you know, and we know they're choreographed, but I think the idea is supposed to be that, you know, these guys have been doing this for so long, so much of their life, it's all reflex, you know, and, and you know, you know, somehow you definitely got that sense, you know, probably kind of like with Jackie Chan, the whole just like using what's around him kind of thing and easily adapting to what they're doing. Um, so it was really, really cool. I also like when they'll sort of, yeah, like add like weapons or other things. You, you kind of throughout the movies graduate from just like hand to hand combat to like, okay, now we're using weapons on top of that and how they'll, you know, adapt to the different weapons. Like, oh, well, you've got this thing and I've got a sword. So how, okay. And, you know, two weapons is different from one weapon is different from no weapons. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, like it's one thing to see two people fighting against each other with swords, but Mm -hmm. if, you know, you know, one's got a bow staff and the other one's got swords. It's like, oh, how does, how do you do that? You know, where you're Mm -hmm. still, you know, uh, countering the attacks and stuff like that. That they've each studied Um, how to handle the asymmetric fight. Yeah. See, all of the things you're describing right now mm-hmm. is why I did not like the Iron Fist Netflix show. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I wanted. <laughs> that level. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Yeah. This is what I want from kung fu centered anything. Yeah. Is the idea that it's improvisational and it's these I- the idea that it's become natural and you're using what's around and people have mm-hmm. different skill sets and different specializations within those classic weapons. Yeah. And Jet Li does that amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What is the one where he's been, like, muzzled for a long time, and he, like, plays the piano, and then he, like... He's, like, in a... He's, like, a... They have, like, this dog fighting ring, but it's humans. Like, they taking these people off the streets. Uh, I, and it, I don't know. It's yeah, a great Jet Li movie. You're asking the wrong guys. <laughs> it's one yeah. of, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah find out. We'll do that one next. We'll do just Kung Fu. Kung Fu podcast. Yeah. All right. um, We're mumbling because our yeah. faces have been kicked in. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jet, Jet Li is another big hole in my Kung Fu. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a single Jet Li movie, actually. Oh, wow. wow. Um, I'm trying. I'm going back. I'm trying to think. um like even more like the American monster. Oh yeah, one. I was gonna say that I yeah. saw. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hero cop two two DVD copies of Hero have been sitting on the shelf in the cupboard in my house where I grew up since the film came out, and I think they're both still in their plastic wrap. <laughs> Hero is gorgeous. Oh my because god! I just I, I, I never bothered. <laughs> way too early. Like I was still in high school, like oh, okay. or like freshman year. Mm-hmm. So there was there's some stuff that goes on in that film, and it's really slow. Mm-hmm. If you're not watching it for how beautifully framed it is, I feel less yeah. bad now about waiting. Mm-hmm. Although I waited a bit too long, perhaps. No, um, right. it's never too late to watch. Oh well, no, not that it's too late, but mm-hmm. maybe I should have already. Yeah, that um, 
the the saw something too early. I think there were there were a couple of major films people will recognize that I definitely saw too early. Well, one was The Big Lebowski. I think I was still a little too young for that. I think I'm still too young. <laughs> sure. I, I, I've gone and seen it again, and it turns out I don't like it, just in terms of personal taste. But okay. I was mm-hmm. definitely I was too young. Now I can look and see things and go, oh, part of an um, audience right now. So. It, it helps to watch it with a friend who loves it. That's yeah. That was my experience. I watched it once, I was like, eh... And then, like a friend of mine was like, "Oh, but when they say this part, when they do that, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, well, like and then we watch it, and I mean, well, I, I except for the, the one part it. when when John Turturro is fucking polishing that gu- that fucking bowling ball, I mean, like I could just watch a loop of that is, indefinitely. I mean, I'll admit, I love to quote it; it's endlessly quotable. Um, I mean, it's the second one, which wasn't a case of age so much; it was just a case of changing tastes. Was the Lord of the Rings? I for the longest time, I just wasn't into the the high fantasy as a whole hmm. magic and, and elves and races and whatnot it just that whole general thing just kind of didn't appeal to me think you're better than me um <laughs> so when, so, okay so when i watched it you know i watched the first one and i ended up turning it off and it didn't help that when the second one came out everyone just told me to watch it but you can't you can't skip fellowship oh god Duh. no so I ended up I mean, not, not watching those all through until college. That said, I did try. I tried to watch Fellowship like four times and got interrupted somehow, something. The fourth time I was at my cousin's house and there was a power outage. Oh, God. I kid God you not. God does not want you yeah, exactly. to watch Fellowship. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was right when Frodo gets stabbed. They're in the mine and, and the, big, the, the cave troll and... And Frodo gets stabbed. Which and you, time he gets stabbed? The first, yeah. the first second, no, 18th the second time. time. <laughs> and uh, everyone gasps. You know, they go to the, every member of the cast and show them all go, Oh, no, gas, gas, gas. Power outage. <laughs> like, another five seconds and he would have seen the mithril and he was fine. <laughs> I swear someone was outside their house at the fuse box, like, looking through the window, waiting for that moment. <laughs> um, but, uh, Fellowship is a bit of a slog. It's a yeah. long first one. Yeah, but, but it, My in mom keeping with that. I I didn't have enough personal interest in the kung fu movies, specific separate from fighting films, to really go seek them out. Gotcha. And now that I'm older, I'm seeing them and constantly loving them and just wondering what was I doing. <laughs> so, um, See, I I go into kung fu and western mode when I house it, which I'm doing mm-hmm. now. So anything western, anything kung fu, mm-hmm. I eat it up. And um, another like modern day kung fu that I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. was It Man was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've only seen two of the four so far, but the first two. But yeah. I'm working on it. It's a weird continuity because there's some that are <laughs> about that character, but they're not the same film franchise, which is are very there? strange. Aren't there only the four? No, because there's there's like one where he's really ancient, and it's not the same actor. It's not. Uh, oh well, I mean, they, is it like a mythological there creature? Been a lot of films like with made the... about. The man, sure, but yeah. I mean, he's a, Bruce, he's a real guy. Yeah, who trained okay. Bruce Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but Donnie Yen made four so far. Is it four? Mm-hmm. Maybe I, one, I know it's one, seen two, all of and then a prequel, and then three. <laughs> okay, that might be where I may not have seen the prequel. Those are good though. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of my favorite modern ones is Ong Bak. Have you seen this? Muay no, Thai. So. No, it's no. Tony Ja, and it's it's like. It's like the raid level. Oh, no, that I loved. Raid, raid oh, one and two are really good. You haven't oh, seen, seen those. two, right? No. Though, I mean, that's put them on the list. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll just have a kung fu watching it, club. It's, it's like kung fu dread. Oh, okay. Did you see dread? No. 
Well, <laughs> oh, so I should not Damn have man. said okay. Oh, I was just going along with it. We're, we're I had no throwing, idea what you were, were talking throwing, about. Throwing lines at you here. Like you're just watching them go by. Um, Watch my eyes glass over. Yeah, that um, was crazy. Unbuck <laughs> uh, um, 1 is really good. 2 and 3 are entertaining, but the mm-hmm. first one's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, yeah, it's just a, I mean, I can't speak to Unbuck, but coming back to It Man, it, it sort of blended our more modern kung fu cinematography with Jackie Chan's steady shot because you get steady shots but you get a lot of shorter ones that are then cut together not super quickly but quickly Mm -hmm. it's sort of an interesting middle ground and I wonder how much of that comes from just just modern filmmaking the fact that the big man films are much newer and we've seen a lot more trends come and go and how much of that comes from the uh, from Donnie Yen and his specific choices for framing the choreography and that's that's another is that Hong Kong centered production? Uh, the second one is. Okay. Or I mean, the second one takes place in Hong Kong. I suppose the production. Yeah, because Donnie Yen's from Hong Kong, isn't he? I believe so. I think so. So sure, if if you mean in terms of the filmmaking yeah, environment, sure. yes, I think they're all. It's just interesting to see how that process has evolved and moved away from its roots, but then back, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of still bearing the the, the circular sort of uh, trend yeah. that. That, that we see here in American cinema with well just with superhero movies I mean there was uh, there was the old Supermans which there were four of how many? four? three? Four. five? two two <laughs> <laughs> um, yes two, two uh, and, then, and then there were the the, the, the four I mean two Batmans <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, the, the, the first two and then the other two I killed the dinosaurs the ice age um, and you know because there was a time when superheroes captivated the world and not so much in film you know certainly Adam West and TV and always in print but there was that that kind of just dead stretch after the the four other Batman films were done where we didn't really get a whole lot until Spider-Man Mm-hmm. And then for a while, it looked like Spider-Man would stand on its own. And then we got the first Dark Knight, the Batman Begins. And then Marvel just brought it all roaring back into the... Marvel and Disney had brought it all roaring back to the front. I mean, post-Spider-Man, we did get two Fantastic Four films and a Superman Return. Oh, I'd forgotten mm-hmm. about those yeah. completely. <clears throat> I just I blocked them out. They're infinitely more watchable than the most recent Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> see, I didn't see... I saw the... How, wait, so how many Fantastic Four films have we had? Three. I saw the most recent. Which you enjoyed. I think we had I this did. conversation. It was, it was, you know, it was fine. There was a lot of good potential there. It wasn't quite realized, but there were good pieces. And I saw the first. I did not see The Silver Surfer. Oh, dear. That's a whole so. other conversation. That is, that's its own, <laughs> its own conversation. You know, I... I, I think we've talked about this, yeah, like, I, I try not to be negative about films when I'm watching them, just because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like you know, uh, maybe it's me, maybe I'm missing something. But there were just some films that I watched, and I'm like, who did they make this for? Mm-hmm. And that was the the most recent Fantastic Four. Like, like, like who said, like, oh, this is a great idea, and these people are going to love it. Like, who, who, who was in this meeting? You know, like, who greenlit this? Like, who said, like, no, yeah, that's what we... That's where the... Where, that's where that the... Yeah, be, yeah. That's where the others went wrong, and that's what we need shrug. to fix and do this instead. 
And I was just kind of like watching it the whole time. Like, is this real life? Am I dreaming? Like, am I having a dream, like a fever dream that I'm going to see Fantastic Four and this is what my mind is putting together? Uh, well, yeah, if they were going to make a movie, uh, it would be like this and it would have this. And uh, yeah. this is what Doctor Doom would be like. Sure. You know, like... Sure. You know, it's funny because I didn't have that problem with this, with Dragon... Strike, raid, attack, <laughs> dragon attack, dragon thing. Dragon, dragon lord. Dragon man. Okay. Dragon strike. Dragon lord. Lord, two lord and strike. Dragon. I'm never going to. Anyway. The third one he directed. I didn't remember. I didn't have this problem with this. The, the who did they make this for? Mm-hmm. Because it just it just hit so many familiar tones. Right. The mischievous youths getting involved in something bigger and then the, you know, pretty, frankly, pretty killer kung fu action at the end. A lot of these movies have been made. Yeah. And they're made because they're fun, mm-hmm. right? And this was fun. I had it a really similar was. experience uh, yesterday. I was watching the very first Fast and Furious. Like, okay. this, is, this is black and white. I As, saw that on your desk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my boss Jerry let me borrow it. Oh, nice. So by very first, do we mean there wasn't one from like decades ago that I'm missing, right? We we mean no. This is the decades ago. That oh, this missed. is there is one. Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. It has no connection with the the the. the current franchises mm-hmm. there's there's very little in common it's just sharing the name basically. okay I did not know that um, but it was kind of the situation where I put in a movie that's black and white it's it's only got a running time of about 70 minutes mm-hmm. it, it it's not doing anything particularly ambitious but it just feels like something that you would watch and drive it something that's on that's entertaining for what it is that you you put you have a little cl- critical analysis of it but it's just fun. It's just, this is what you used to go and see. And it, it was an interesting kind of coming to this, I mean, point of this club is to share stuff, and the first 30 minutes of this is pretty, sl- this movie we just watched was slow, and I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 like you said, it's kind of, you don't bring that same expectation-based analysis to it because it's from a certain era, and mm-hmm. it touches upon certain different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a little random. The, no, no, absolutely. The, expe- the different expectations you get based on the context of a film, yeah, and how knowing or not knowing certain chunks of that context can completely change the way you experience the movie. Yeah. Although I thank you for bringing up that is the point of movie mumble that maybe if I'd seen this on Netflix and put it on one day or just come across it on television, I I don't think I would have pushed through those first thirty minutes, not because they were bad outright, but just because they were slow, weren't really holding my hand, I would have just moved on. But uh, instead, we finished it, and I had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much, Joel. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that was, yeah, there was a great purpose to that. There was something about this that struck me, that I mentioned earlier, as, as, as very, there were parts that felt very American. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something about the, the overall lightheartedness that other than just being for fun, which it was, it felt almost a little timid. Hmm. Um, which I realize is a bit strange when the film had so much youthful mischief in it. Yeah. It, it just, there were parts of it that felt a little bit... Yeah, timid is the only word I have, I guess. Sort of, um, sort of restricted. Like maybe they would have liked to be a little more, uh, more drastic. Hmm. There's definitely political commentary going on in it about the mm-hmm. the the. I mean, this is a, a big theme in most of Jackie's films. Is that there's and this is a plot thing we didn't even talk about yet because mm-hmm. we were we're trying to talk about the plot where 
there's a group of thieves that are stealing Chinese artifacts and selling them to colonialists. Mm-hmm. And that that's very... The film takes place roughly in the mid-1800s, maybe earlier. Yeah. There's a, the, the gun, which is the only one we see, it's, it's a muzzle-loading weapon. Yeah. So that's about our only clue to the Yeah, the and like, specifically about that, it, it's interesting that they have this kind of commentary on Western... Uh, Consumerism and, mm-hmm. and, and materialism, because the the, the um, cowboy character, his father's very wealthy, and he's getting all these new things. Like both, the rifle. both fathers are very wealthy. Yeah, but this the cowboy's father is directly related to the thieves. Yes, we find out. No, yeah, not related right. to, right. but in in dealings with him. So he's getting a lot of westernized stuff. Stuff. Yeah. The like, pants with the zipper that yeah. Mars is wearing, and, and the, oh, the gun, yeah. and the, can- the telescope, all that sort of thing. And the the pocket watch that sings. Yeah, or doesn't sing, but it right. has uh, mm-hmm. the, the music, music box, box pocket watch, right? Yeah, yeah. it's so interesting. It, yeah, it's got it's got little bits and pieces of okay, there's this Western influence that's trying to rob this culture, but it's not as pointedly about that. And yeah, I don't know it's if that's about a... the consumerism, which is inherent in Western culture, mm-hmm. not about the exploitation that was inherent in right. colonialism. And it, it was kind of weird to see the the confusion. That Jackie and uh, well, I guess Dragon was the name of Jackie's character, but those two characters, Dragon and Cowboy, Jackie and Mars. Yeah. Well, yeah. I wonder why if that like was why his name was supposed to be Cowboy, because it's, it was his father that was kind of in cahoots and kind of dealing with and Dragon. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but uh, so I wonder if it was almost because we watched the dubbed version. So I wonder if that was sort of a, a decision made, like, oh well, you know, the people who were adding the the English dubbing to be like, yeah, we don't want to turn it into this east against east against west thing, you know, mm-hmm. like let's use his real name because yeah, they called him Mars, which is the the, the actor's real name throughout the whole film. Right. Mm-hmm. That was something we watched it with a dub. We had the option of uh, an English dub or of subtitles. We just went with the dub because I'm just, bad at reading. Well, because because <laughs> I mean, why not? I. Do you know any major differences, Joel? Have you seen both ways? Do you, I know sometimes that can be really important, and sometimes it can just be issues of phrasing and vocabulary <laughs> choice. I don't think I've seen this one with subs. Okay. Um, usually when I'm watching Jackie Chan films, the main difference between sub and dub is the fact that, for the most part, Jackie does Jackie's character's English dubbing. Mm-hmm. But there are certain examples in Hollywood early where they got real generic, plain, brave, yeah. white guy. To do oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's really, really distracting. And that's usually why I choose to, to switch over. Yeah, I don't think it's it's as stark a contrast as, say, like the Godzilla films, where oh, right, right. dubbed and, well, original Japanese <laughs> version of Gojira is very, very different from the American. That's where the entire stereotype of mouths moving with no words coming yeah. out, you know comes from yeah yeah so I, I think because Jackie had so much input maybe not on the the American or Western distribution side of it sure. yes but I, I don't think there would be too much deviation mm-hmm. at least from what I've seen sure sure yeah. but what, what I was saying about the musket and their interaction with the musket mm-hmm. was really interesting because it's almost like it, it's that childlike mischievousness but it's almost like a portrayal of Asian culture as not as smart, not being able to figure it out because it's kind of comical. Yeah, it's got a duck ignorance season, is right? too strong a term, mm. but it's more that they were less less concerned with, with the... exploring foreign concepts mm-hmm. because they you know they they all had the sacredness of the temple, the big fight there, and they all knew the different sprigs and how to do their prayers and all that sort of thing. But 
but then you know a musket comes up and it's just this this toy for some slapstick yeah. humor, as is the cannon, right. um, as is the the music box pocket watch, a sort of pretty trinket. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was definitely a again isolationism is too strong a term, but mm-hmm. just sort of a naivete. Maybe yeah, they, they're just mm, lack of concern, I suppose. Gotcha. Doesn't carry the same kind of weight because they just don't experience all the mm-hmm. time. It's it's this new novel thing. To exactly. Play with. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. It's particularly interesting that I mean we mentioned earlier, Deki Chan has a lot of depth in in both cultures, and. It's particularly interesting the the political statements we got here mm-hmm. that they were they were fairly subtle and, and they weren't particularly uh, pointed as you said, but they're there, they're absolutely there, mm-hmm. and and they keep re- they, these are familiar mm-hmm. themes. He comes back to them, so mm-hmm. this is the narrative by and large the narrative that it continues to tell. Mm-hmm. It was just it, it's neat to see the beginnings of that, and it makes me wonder about bringing his films over to the U.S. Hmm. From, a, from a studio standpoint. Because, you know, let's face it, politics is in movies. Of course it is. It's in everything. And there are films that have been, had their, their U.S. localizations and or distributions and such held up or just prevented completely because of political discomfort. Or, you know, just outright, uh, outright bias. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's funny that Daggy Chan, you know, has become such a big thing, big name, when all of these films hold a lot of those themes. I think your choice of the word funny is the reason. Mm-hmm. Because it's so... Jackie's never the vindictive badass, or the, the, the chest-pumping badass. Mm-hmm. He, he, you can see him when he gets hurt. You can see him try to avoid a fight. You can see him run away. He, I think... There's very little bravado about the characters mm-hmm. that he plays, and I think because the way his characters act is is comedic, and the way he sets things up is funny, that might have been played a part in disarming maybe some of that political commentary that he makes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's what's there is a little more subtle, and mm-hmm. then the humor helps temper the point. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Joel. I think that's absolutely a major factor. He's just damn charming as a human being. Did you guys see his uh, Lifetime Achievement Academy Award no, acceptance no. speech? No. <laughs> it's so sweet. And it, it was really sad that he didn't get to... It was like the, the night before, because that's when they do all the, yeah. the technical and all those things. And he finally got up and got to give a speech. And he's like, I broke so many bones for this. I'm so happy to be recognized for it. I mean, the the man has done really consistently fun, entertaining, innovative Mm -hmm. stunts. The way he writes things, the way he puts things on screen. it's, It's a great little corner of film history to follow what he's done. It's easy to overlook, too, it, because it's a piece of a genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, shortly after a couple of my first Jackie Chan films, I, I was talking to somebody, I'm never going to remember the, most of the conversation now, but they knew better than me. They knew how important he was, that as you said, he's made a little piece of film history. He's got his name on it. 
Mm-hmm. It's for him. And that, that just never came through somehow in the admittedly few films I watched and what I heard from word of mouth. Maybe because of the, the comedy elements sort of, you know, shunting things to the side. or, But I think largely just because I wasn't exploring that entire continent mm-hmm. of film. But it was it was shocking to me, like, oh, you mean the the funny the funny kung fu guy? Like, he's that influential? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely is. My grandmother knows who he is. Really? Yeah. Like, I remember one time her, you know, saying about either some movie she she watched, and I was like, wow, like my grandmother knows who like this famous kung fu actor is. Like, mm-hmm. that's that. I mean, that, yeah, that's gonna say something that he kind of crossed the genres like that, you know, yeah, and like. Yeah. Cross generational, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. My dad met him. Did really? You guys no. So my my dad used to work at the Cooper Theater, which was right here on Broadway, Boulevard, uh, Colorado Boulevard, like on, where uh, on, Qdoba, on Broadway or on Colorado? On Colorado Boulevard. On Colorado. Okay. Um, so like where the Qdoba is and uh, those dealerships used to be this huge multiplex, and there was like a, a, a recreation center where they had like pool and stuff. Mm-hmm. This was. Like forty years ago, okay. And so he he worked it, and they had a premiere for one of Jackie's first movies in the states. And Jackie came up and he got popcorn. Oh wow! And, and said it, and my dad gave him popcorn. That's yeah. awesome. That's really <laughs> cool. That is awesome. Yeah. You don't get a lot of those stories from people who work at movie theaters now. Yeah. You know. No, well, you know, it doesn't. It, the premieres are fancy events. Yeah. They're very strictly controlled and all that sort of things. Less, uh, you know, and there isn't even a, a premiere tour of sorts yeah. where they go to different locations. They just hit the big cities for the parties. A screen happens to occur. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that's a. Uh, I wonder how much of that was a difference in time, and how much of that was that it was this foreign film. Yeah, that might be. The events were a little smaller, and then of course, how much of that was just Jackie just delighted to come see his movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know get to see the reaction of Mm -hmm. specifically a Colorado Mm -hmm. audience. Alright, well uh, we seem to have run out of discussion for uh, oh man, I've lost the whole title now. Strike, raid, boss guy, lord, dragon, dragon Dragon bastard. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even talk about the matchmaker's great line. We didn't talk about the the finale, the greatest pun ever. Oh well, I mean, we gotta gotta mention the pun. (laughs) Multiple puns. Okay, so the finale is, okay, there's this final uh, final battle with the dude with the milky eye. It's really, really intense. Uh, They, They get sloppy and sloppy and sloppy, and then Dragon and Cowboy start pummeling him with rice sacks. And they just start stacking. They bury, bury him. They just pile all the sacks on top of him. <laughs> there were, what, at least three lines in there? Yes. And it's, uh, they're spectacular. The first one, I, I can't even You remember. got the sack. He wasn't pulling his weight. I, mean, I think Dragon said it first. No, I mean, uh, uh, Cowboy said it first. He said the, the, got the, the, yeah, the sack. He got, he got the, the sack. sack. <laughs> he wasn't carrying his weight. And then I... <laughs> We just where's our kung fu film? It's just constant one-liners back yeah, and forth. It was spectacular. Mm-hmm. It was a great way to. End. See, this <laughs> is why we need to record us watching so we can yeah. get these reactions of. Oh my god! He yeah. said you got the sack. I was so excited! <laughs> I, I could not control myself. <laughs> also, there was a point where they went to go see this matchmaker. It doesn't really have any greater greater bearing on anything, yeah. right? <laughs> they 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 hit her with a, a, a slingshot, which comes back later to be pretty important. The slingshot does become important. <laughs> yes. Everything he puts Man, on the whole, screen, the whole film was 
brilliant. Chekhov's gun right? at its best. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but they, they shoot her in the butt. She turns around and <laughs> sees who it is and then smiles because she knows that their parents are rich. And then she goes, you bastards, and walks up. It was perfect. <laughs> the way the dubbing lined up, the way her demeanor changed, it was perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> anyway, All right. now we no. can conclude. Okay. <laughs> well, that was uh, Dragon Lord. Hey, yes. I got it that time. <laughs> All right. And that was our... Our first movie mumble that was new for me and for Tim. Woohoo! I certainly had a blast and it has absolutely reminded me that, oh yeah, Scott, might want to go watch some more Kung Fu movies. Like I said, <laughs> they just sort of get left by the wayside. I, I need to change that behavior. Mm. What did you think, Tim? Yeah, I'm going to go to Blockbuster right after this and <laughs> rent a bunch of Kung Fu movies. All right. All right. <laughs> get in my time machine. <laughs> yeah. So next month, uh, I am up to pick and we will be watching The Skycrawlers. Uh, our IMDb description here is A group of eternally young fighter pilots known as Kildren experience the sudden loss of innocence as they battle the enemy in astonishing dogfights above the clouds. Which, uh, honestly, is about as good a description as I think you could come up with without... So, I wish you would have just laughed when you heard Kildren. Kildren! Yes. So I, I think that was an original word. And uh, it, the rough translation actually more literally is kill dolls. Oh, okay. Kildren okay. is just the term. Mm-hmm. Kildren is part yeah, it's a, it's yeah. an anime sci-fi, uh, but the technology is a little older, sort of World War II type stuff. The planes okay. have propellers, these machine guns, that sort of thing. So uh, it's a nice, interesting mixture of 2D and 3D animation, Ooh. Um, which I think turns out very beautiful, and I'm eager to see what you guys think. So that'll okay. be our next month. You feel free to watch and then... Sort of watch along, if you will. At the end of every podcast, we will be announcing what the following month's movie will be. So you can sort of keep up with us if you'd like. Or watch it in preparation for our commentary. Mm-hmm. Or sure, sure. watch it after our commentary so we can ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah, whichever you prefer. <laughs> it is entirely up to you. And uh, I think that brings us to a nice little wrap, nice little bow on top of our package. Joel, Tim, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you all next month for Movie Mumble Episode 2. Woohoo! Bye. Bye.